Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. As the number of accidents continues to grow, the cost is tallied in lives and in dollars, impacting everyone on the road. Also this morning, the Finley Municipal Court's upcoming 5th Annual Safe Surrender Day event is the latest chance for anyone with an outstanding bench warrant to resolve those legal issues without the threat of immediate jail time. We have details. And we'll tell you what's happening with the latest youth development programming from the Hancock County OSU Extension, including planning for 4-H summer camp. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, April 11th, 2022. In addition to it being Barbershop Quartet Day, it is International Louie Louie Day. <laughs> um, National Cheese Fondue Day. National 8-Track Tape Day. Uh, so you can listen to some barbershop music or Louie Louie. Maybe you can listen to a barbershop quartet do their version of Louie Louie on your 8-track player. And you've got it all covered. Today it is National Pet Day. Submarine Day. I think honoring the naval vessel, not the sandwich. And it is World Parkinson's Disease Day. So reasons to celebrate and or important observances for the day today on this Monday. So uh, among the first things that you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a new study finds that COVID-19 vaccinations have prevented 2.2 million deaths in the United States. Now this is, and a friend of mine and I were talking about this the other day, this is the great unknown right there's really how do you how do you know for sure how many deaths all of the mitigation measures that we put in place over the past couple of years how many deaths has that actually prevented there's no way of knowing there really is no way of knowing i mean you can do your estimates you can do your computer models but really until you have until and unless you were to have the exact same pandemic under the exact same conditions where you had zero mitigation measures and total up the deaths versus the number of deaths from this one, there's, there's no way of, of actually knowing. And of course, that will never happen. So it is the great, the great unknown. How many deaths do we... Uh, but this study from the Commonwealth Fund finds that 17 million hospitalizations... And 2.2 million deaths were averted by vaccination between December 12th of 2020 and March 31st of this year. Now, how do they come up with that uh, number? Um, I'm not really sure. (laughs) But uh, researchers say our findings highlight the profound and ongoing impact of the vaccination program in reducing infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. So 2.2 million deaths averted. 17 million hospitalizations. They also found that there would have been 66 million more COVID infections with without the vaccinations. And uh, specifically, they found that uh, daily pre-Omicron peaks of death. <laughs> I love the wording on that. Pre-Omicron peaks of death 
would have reached 24,000 without the vaccine. The actual high peak of daily deaths was about 4,300 per day. And they say it would have been 24,000. But again, it is the great unknown. But that's what they say. You can take that for what it's worth. I mean, I'm sure that they have very reliable medical uh, computer models and algorithms to figure all of this stuff out. But I still say it's the great unknown. You never know exactly. You can have all the estimates in the world that you want, but it's hard to really say. But most experts do agree that there was some significant mitigation by all of the masking and the social distancing and, of course, the vaccines and all of that. But, of course, the counter argument to at least the masking part of that is that it made people it made it more difficult for some people to breathe. And uh, there is research from two universities, and I'm not sure which university just says researchers from two universities have found that your lungs are always working on immune responses just by breathing. This is new research that uh, seems to add credence to the anti-mask argument to a certain extent. These researchers found that just the way you breathe and the way that process of breathing stretches out the lungs with each inhale and exhale relaxes the lungs and is enough to trigger new immune responses against invading viruses. Dr. Haikwing Bai is the author of this study, says their research demonstrates the importance of breathing motion for human lung function, including immune responses to infection. And uh, let's see, it says uh, how our human alveolus chip can be used to model these responses in the deep portions of the lung where infections are often more severe and lead to hospitalization and death. So there is that. We will never be done with this coronavirus thing, right? I always have stories about this. Um, by the way, speaking of breathing and uh, the air around us, I saw this story on the uh, Newswire, and it's it kind of gave me a chuckle. And not for the content of the study, um, but rather the impact of it. Let me, let me give you the story. It says, Californians may actually be able to see inequality in the air they breathe. Okay, so this is the, this is the latest mantra, right? Um was equality across the board, right? Human equality. Men, women, black, white, you know, equality across the board. Well, a new study, the University of, of California, San Diego, they have discovered that the strict environmental regulations for businesses benefit predominantly white neighborhoods significantly more than minority communities. In their review of air pollution during the coronavirus pandemic, study authors found much higher levels of pollutants in largely Asian and Hispanic communities in comparison to white non-Hispanic neighborhoods across the state of California. The team discovered this by comparing statewide pollution levels prior to 2020 to the drop-off these communities saw 
after California officials issued their shelter-in-place orders during the pandemic, their lockdown orders. Using data from public and privately owned air monitor networks, the team found that Asian and Hispanic populations experienced significantly larger drops in pollution when the state's in-person economy shut down. Simply put, COVID lockdowns revealed how dirty the air really was in non-white communities, despite state rules, which are supposed to be cleaning the air for everyone. And I saw I saw that story and I chuckled, not so much for the content of it, but because this will put the this will put the left, the far left, the liberal wing in which is so strong in California, this will put them into an endless loop. <laughs> what what it you've got the environmental regulations <laughs> that are now causing inequity uh between white neighborhoods and non white neighborhoods. So if you want to uh if you want to level the playing field uh between in terms of equality then you've got to do something about the environmental regulations but if you but you can't do something about the environmental regulations because that's that's very important so you've got <laughs> you you've got this endless loop that they were that they will be uh, stuck in there in the on <laughs> the, the far left lobby anyway <laughs> So, I don't know what they're going to do. Their head's going to explode or something over there. Um, when was the last time you shopped at a Kmart? Used to be, it was a retail giant, and there was Kmart everywhere. Well over 2,000 locations throughout the U.S. at one time. Of course, the blue light special was almost a pop culture reference. The flashing blue light uh, that they used to take around it. I don't know if you ever saw that. In, in a, maybe you've only heard about it in legend. But it was a real thing. I can remember shopping in Kmart and attention Kmart shoppers, a blue light special in children's apparel where we have, you know, all of a sudden it was like, they were like pop-up sales. And they'd take this uh, cart with a flashing blue light on a pole uh, and do a flash sale. Um, anyway, once the Kmart... In Avenel, New Jersey, closes this coming Saturday. There will now be only three Kmart stores left in the country. You believe that? Only three in the entire country. 2,000 locations at one time. And uh, they'll be down to three. In Westwood, New Jersey, in uh, Bridgehampton, New York... And in Miami, apparently, the only three that will be left. Kmart's slow decline brought on by years of falling sales, changes in shopping habits and competition from Walmart, later followed by Target and Amazon. The beginning of the long end came 20 years ago when when Kmart first filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2002 and announced they were closing their first 250 stores. And frankly, I remember when that happened and I... Um, I was saying, well, it won't be long before, you know, Kmart will be no more. I'm surprised that it's taken this long and that there are still three left when you think about it. I mean, here 20 years later, uh, they're still hanging on, but the end is near for Kmart. Only three left. That is crazy. And lastly, among the first things that you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. 
The search is on for this year's Gerber baby. Uh, Parents have been submitting photos of their smiling infants for a week now, and the deadline is this coming Thursday. Uh, Children up to four years of age are eligible to be chosen for the title of spokesbaby and chief growing officer. Uh, The winner will be featured in Gerber's ad campaigns and on its social media channels throughout the coming year. And the honor comes with a $25,000 prize. So what is Gerber looking for, you may ask? Well, on its website, the company says uh, candidates should have an irresistible giggle as well as an undeniable, lovable personality. (laughs) I'm thinking uh, that if you ask uh, just about any parent, that describes every child in the world. But uh, if you are interested in applying uh, or you're putting your kids in the running for the title of Gerber Baby, you have until this coming Thursday to uh, get that done on the uh, Gerber website. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. Your WTOL 11 weather, showers today with high 65, chance of showers tonight with a low 45. Thousands of people attended the funeral service for Bluffton Police Officer Dominic Francis last Friday. Bluffton Police Chief Ryan Burkholder spoke about how Officer Francis touched so many lives by being involved in the community as a police officer, firefighter, teacher, bus driver, coach, and mentor. Dominic was all of this and so, so much more. He is so very much missed by all. He impacted so many lives in so many ways. I look forward to the day we see him again. The funeral procession then made its way to Clymer Cemetery, where Officer Francis was laid to rest. As the procession went through Mount Corey, it went under a giant American flag that firefighters held in place with ladder trucks. See video of the procession and learn how you can donate to the FOP's Fund for the Officer's Family on the website. The Finley Municipal Court will be holding its fifth annual Safe Surrender Day this week. People who have a bench warrant for their arrest can get the warrant released during the event on Thursday between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Officials say all you need to do is show up at Finley Municipal Court and meet with court staff. The Public Defender's Office, City of Finley Prosecutor's Office, and other agencies will be on hand that day to help get any bench warrants addressed and released. During the court's fourth annual Safe Surrender Day last October, they helped 72 people get 109 bench warrants cleared. Appointments are preferred, but walk-ins are welcome. Get more details at the website. Some University of Toledo students say they were not informed of recent health code violations at campus eateries that included unsafe temperatures for raw hamburger, evidence of mice, and more. A representative from the university wrote in a statement that the issues were taken care of. Quote, We were able to confirm that there were no concerns in our food production or food serving areas. The actions directed by the health department allowed us to quickly resolve the issue in the other areas of our dining operations. However, the health department's most recent follow-up with the Student Union Dining Hall on February 9th says that they again told school employees to address a continuous cockroach infestation. Again, the university says the violations are taken care of. That's WTOL 11's Michael Sandlin reporting. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about this the other day. April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Accidents caused by distracted drivers number in the thousands. 
and keep growing each year. David Pessy is Agency Development Specialist at The General Insurance. And David, obviously, your industry has a huge stake in making people aware of the dangers here and doing everything possible to minimize the number of distracted driving crashes. How big of an economic impact does this have from an, an insurance standpoint? Oh, man, it's a huge impact on, uh, obviously, insurance premiums and uh, now, especially with the cost of, of uh, cars and, and repairs and, yeah. and parts. There's a huge, huge, uh, huge impact that we're having right now. And obviously, uh, that says nothing about the the toll that distracted driving takes with respect to the number of lives that are impacted by the problem. Now, the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about distractions behind the wheel uh, would be our devices, our smartphones. And that is certainly the big one, but far from the only distraction that drivers deal with. Correct. So... There's a lot of distractions drivers face on the road today. Uh, cell phone, like you said, of course, I mean, we're glued to the things, right? So a lot of our lives are on there. Uh, we got social media and, and calls and texts and all this stuff on there. Um, so that's obviously one of the top distractions. But um, with some of the data that we've picked up, a lot of the accidents actually reported um, about 62% of them said that it had to do with a cognitive distraction. So something like, uh, they're lost in thought or daydreaming, um, stressed about work, maybe some lack of sleep, things like that uh, have hmm. taken a big toll um, from at least from the reports and the and the data we've collected. Um, you know, a few more, obviously, uh, like rubbernecking, looking at an accident or looking mm-hmm. at something that, that's got your attention for a while or or maybe even as well, um, like having kids in your back seat and they're fighting or you got to handle them or maybe your pets in the back seat and just things like that. I mean, there's so many things that can distract us out there, but those are some of the top ones for sure. Interesting uh, that you mentioned, and, and this, again, this is something that I wouldn't even have uh, have thought of necessarily. I don't know how many people would. It doesn't even have to physically be something that is in the vehicle, just daydreaming or you know being distracted by concerns about work or family or whatever it might happen to be. So it doesn't actually have to physically be something uh, that is actually in the vehicle uh, to take your attention away from the road. And, you know, one of the problems that just like every other bad driving habit, most of us don't think that this impacts us as much as it does other drivers. I mean, how many people have said to themselves, I'm a great driver. It's all the other idiots on the road. But, you know, again, this is an equal opportunity problem. A hundred percent correct on that. Um, even though we might look over quite a bit and see somebody on their phone or see somebody doing something and we're like, oh, you know, yeah. but we all, we all take a little piece in, in uh, some of these issues that we've seen on the road for sure. So do you have uh, some ways for avoiding those distractions and preventing those accidents related to distra- distracted driving? Yes, of course. Anything that uh, could potentially uh, take your eyes off the road. I mean, you know, or we know that uh, accidents happen very quickly, you know, so it's important to focus and minimize all these distractions. Uh, the biggest ones, like the biggest tips I can say for preventing accidents is try and not multitask, you know. I mean, we want to get a lot of things done in our day. Um, you're driving in the morning to work. Maybe you're putting your makeup on. Maybe you're eating your breakfast. Um, you know, there could be a ton of things and we're doing them all at the same time while we're driving when we really need to be focused just on driving. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we need to do, especially behind the wheel. Um, 
another big tip, obviously, I'm going to go back to it always, is the phones. You know, don't FaceTime your friends. Don't be on social media while you're in the car. Um, you know, GPSs are on the phones now, too. Um, changing the music. They just have so many distractions off that one little device. Um, so try and put those away. Try and try and not use them while you're out, while you're driving. That'll prevent a lot of these accidents from happening. Um, and then one of the big ones that I love to touch on because I mean it's happened to me um, is don't drive when you're drowsy or tired or sleepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know sometimes we get in the car and we're like it's only thirty minutes. It's only forty minutes, or or maybe we're extending it. You know we've been driving for a long time. We're like oh it's only another thirty minutes. Not a big deal. And then you find yourself, you know, your eyes closing on you or, or, or maybe you don't remember the last five minutes while you're in the car, um, you know, things like that, 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 you know, definitely falling asleep at the wheel or, or getting drowsy at the wheel can definitely cause some, some accidents. And that's a big, big one to, to prevent. Yeah. So we I, don't have these, as many accidents. I have had that happen to myself. Uh, sometimes you suddenly realize, hey, I don't remember the, yeah. the last five minutes uh, that, you know, did I pass this uh, milestone or this uh, this exit or what have you. Uh, and and so, yeah, recognizing that that is an issue as well. You mentioned, you know, again, we see people who are driving distracted on the roads all the time. What should we do if we see someone who is driving uh, distracted? So a big thing for me is take care of yourself and your family first, right? So we always assume that this driver, you know, you got to assume that they don't see your vehicle, especially if they're, they're distracted in some shape or form. So give them a little bit of space, let them go ahead, uh, protect your family, protect yourself. Um, Or if you can get around them and and get by them and just get out of their way, that would probably be ideal as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The main thing, don't try and, you know, get their attention or wave them down or any of that stuff. Uh, Don't cause any road rage. Don't be a hero. Um, If it is that big of an issue, you know, call the authorities, let them get involved. Uh, um, They're, you know, they're trained to handle those situations. Yeah, little defensive driving uh, goes a long way in making sure that you're not caught up in somebody else's issue. And to circle back to what you were saying a little bit earlier, I think it's important to emphasize this again. We're obviously the biggest part of this is we don't want to uh, cause anybody to get injured or killed or, you know, preventing those types of, uh, of accidents. But this can also have a big impact on your insurance rates. A big percentage of, uh, of our insurance rates are our license, right? And our records. So, if you are, you know, driving distracted or maybe you're driving on your cell phone or texting, you get a ticket for that, you run a red light, ticket for that. I mean, these tickets will add up and these companies, when they pull your motor vehicle record and your driving record, um, they'll see if that car's been in an accident before. They'll see if you've been in an accident or if you've gotten tickets on your on your record. Um, you know, when you're putting in claims and insurers are paying for these, um, they're going to in turn transfer these costs over uh, to the customers, right? They're going to charge you higher premiums when your policy comes up for renewal, or when you're you're searching for new insurance, you're gonna you're gonna definitely notice it in your pocket. Um, the big thing I like to touch on here too is you know make sure that you understand the coverages you have. Talk to the general, talk to uh, you know talk to our local agents in your area. We have general agents all over. Um, Call them, make sure you understand the, the coverages you have. You know, sometimes you're focused, uh, but the other driver's not. And he, let's say he smacks into you. Um, maybe he has inadequate insurance or doesn't have insurance. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's certain things that you put on your policy and you could purchase that will cover that gap if, if, if God forbid that would happen. Um, insurance is always a just in case, you know, so it's, uh, it's for the rainy day. We know rainy days are coming. We just don't know when they're coming. You know? Ab- absolutely. Uh, really good advice there. It's, uh, again, to emphasize not just the human toll, but also the financial toll of this issue. David Pessy is, uh, again, agency development specialist at the General Insurance, and you have more information on your website too, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Come visit us at thegeneral.com. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, information on the Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Um, also, like I said, consult with your local general agents. Um, make sure that they can give you the local state guidelines and how that has uh, legal implications in your state and area. So coming up this week, the Finley Municipal Court's fifth annual Safe Surrender Day event. The uh, latest chance for those with an outstanding bench warrant to resolve those legal issues, get back on the right side of the law. And uh, Judge Alan Hackenberg, Judge Stephanie Bishop are both with us uh, in the studio this morning. And uh, over the years, this has been a tremendously successful uh, program, even uh, during the pandemic when you had to kind of do things a little bit differently. It has been. So last year during the pandemic, we did hold our Safe Surrender Day back in October of last year. And at that time, we had 72 individuals that did show up and cleared 109 warrants. So there's been great success over the years, even with the COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are an alarming number of outstanding warrants. I was, uh, I, over the weekend, I checked to make sure my name was not on this. But there are like 2,700 plus uh, active warrants. I don't think people realize just how many. Uh, warrants are out there. Right. That has been sort of a number that has steadily sort of grown, especially over the last year or two with COVID. A lot of people took that as an opportunity to uh, not show up for court or not Mm. show up to do what they have to do. And the goal, obviously, of the program is to hopefully reduce those warrants and let everyone, as you know, reset the button with us Mm -hmm. and and reduce the numbers and get them back on the right path. So when we talk about uh, being able to clear a bench warrant during the Safe Surrender uh, Day event, what types of things are we talking about? All kinds of warrants. So any type of warrant that we've issued, we can clear on that day. It doesn't resentence an individual or reset their, it just resets their sentence. So if they fail to appear for an arraignment, then we'll hold their arraignment that day, clear out that bench warrant. If their warrant is because they didn't engage in a program, they were ordered to do so then we'll reset that, let them reschedule that program, re-engage in treatment counseling. If it's a community service warrant, re-engage in that community service. So, And that's a, an important word, the, the reset, because as we mentioned before, the Safe Surrender Day is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's You're not going to have extra jail time you know, tacked on. Correct. So. It's, not a, it's not a day that you're going to get resentenced. It's a day to re-engage in your sentence. So mm-hmm. if an individual failed to appear for jail, for example, they get to reschedule that jail commitment, the commitment doesn't go away. And as you mentioned, uh, Judge Hackenberg, they, a number of folks uh, may have, during the course of the past year, gotten off track for any number of reasons uh, related to the pandemic. So Correct. Yep. Uh, you know, life happens. We mm-hmm. understand that. And when you have a situation where it's difficult to get in or difficult to perhaps 
be reminded to do the things that you're doing because mm-hmm. of, of time. Right. Then you, it sort of falls off the radar, and then they get afraid, and then they don't want to. The problem like, snowballs. Uh, they think they're going to go to jail if they, right. you know, pop their head up. So sure. To, for those individuals who truly want to clear the warrants and uh, get a clearer conscience, certainly this day is is meant for them. And certainly, it helps the courts also uh, kind of clear all of these cases uh, potentially off the docket. Sure. Law enforcement yeah, I mean, so if on. we can clear more warrants and we issue more warrants in a week, that would be great. You know, yeah. we could actually see that number uh, start going down. So kind of the uh, kind of the goal. So uh, now, during the uh, pandemic, you were doing this by appointment. You are uh, allowing people now to uh, walk in. You still make an appointment, which would be great, but you can walk in, right? Correct. The preference is to make an appointment. However, we certainly encourage individuals that haven't made an, an appointment to walk in. If anybody wants to make an appointment for the day, they can contact our clerk's office at 419-424-7141 to make that appointment. But again, if they have not made an appointment, they're certainly welcome to walk in during the uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on a- April 14th. I was going to say, we probably should mention that this is coming up on Thursday. I think we neglected yeah, Thursday. So yeah. it is this yeah. week. And uh, kind of give us a real quick rundown of what this is going to look like for those who uh, are interested in saying, so how is all this going to work? So if an individual has an appointment, obviously they come at that appointment time. If mm-hmm. they're just walking in, they'll walk in. They'll make contact with one of our staff members, figure out what the warrant's issued for, and then they'll be directed from there. If they previously were represented by the Hancock County Public Defender's Office or if they are in need of assistance by the Hancock County Public Defender's Office, if they qualify, uh, staff from the Public Defender's Office will be there to help the individual. If it's a pre-sentence case, if it's a post-sentence case and they're there to re-engage in either the community service, a program or something like that, then they would make contact with another staff member of ours to get the warrant cleared Mm -hmm. and then get reset on that path. If it's a... Uh, hearing that one of us judges needs to see them for, then they would come before us at that time as well. And I think we've, uh, when we've talked about this in the past, we mentioned what sorts of things do people need to bring with them? Just themselves. (laughs) If they've engaged in treatment and we don't have that verification, they should bring that information just so that our compliance department can verify that. But uh, for the most part, just themselves. Okay, very good. And... uh, if folks are unaware, as I mentioned over the weekend, I checked my name to make sure. Um, I would imagine that with 2,700 active bench warrants, there may be folks who are not aware uh, that they have one. Yeah, I think that goes back to some people, they just you know forget about it, and then they're not held accountable for that, and then they mm-hmm. get going on in life, and then um, they get this unpleasant reminder when an officer, and they have right. a, like perhaps a motor vehicle accident or something like that. Exactly. They say, no, hey, we got a warrant. you got to come with us, and that's probably the last thing that they ever had on their mind that mm-hmm. day. So, yeah, I mean, certainly they can go to the website, and they can check to see if they have an active warrant. They can call our court to see if they have an active warrant. And again, we'll see anyone who shows up that day and we'll attempt to clear that. We will clear the warrant and we'll get them back on the path that they need to be on. Very good. And uh, again, it is all happening on Thursday, the fifth annual Safe Surrender Day event, the Finley Municipal Court. We have a link up on our webpage for more information about it as well. Uh, Judge Alan Hackenberg, Judge Stephanie Bishop, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for supporting us again. Thank Thank you. you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Requisite story out of Florida. Michael Marola is in custody 
after uh, Florida police found him in possession of firearms, drugs, and a baby alligator during a traffic stop. <laughs> I just that combination. Firearms, drugs, and a baby alligator. Mr. Marola was uh, arrested after the driver of the vehicle he was pulled over uh, for having a suspended license. Police found uh, two guns, methamphetamine in the 31-year-old's jacket, and a baby alligator in a plastic tub in the bed of the pickup truck. (laughs) Mr. Marola was uh, charged with possession of a controlled substance, possession of narcotic equipment, and two counts of carrying a concealed firearm. He was not charged in connection with the alligator, but they gave him a pass. <laughs> they gave him a pass on the baby gator, but officers of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission responded to the scene. <laughs> All right, then. <clears throat> Only in Florida. Is... Yeah. Uh, this is kind of uh, unusual. You know how uh, security at uh, airports will uncover all kinds of crazy things that people try to sneak on uh, to airplanes. Sometimes, uh, as in this case at uh, Boston, uh, the uh, person doesn't even realize what they are trying to sneak onto a plane. TSA says that a traveler at uh, Boston Airport uh, security checkpoint was shocked, shocked to learn that his cane contained a sword. (laughs) The uh, New England uh, branch of the Transportation Security Administration tweeted out a photo showing that the sword cane that this man had brought uh, to Logan, Boston Logan Airport, uh, he was totally oblivious. The TSA said in a statement the passenger had recently purchased the cane and was unaware that it contained a sword until it was examined by security personnel. <laughs> That's not what you want to find out. When you're trying to go through airport security, uh, sir, do you realize you have a sword in your cane? Well, no, I had no idea. Um, the uh, passenger turned the sword cane over to Massachusetts State Police and was cleared to catch his flight to New York. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer that he actually had to uh, to give it up. But I suppose you can't have a uh, have a sword on a on a plane, so probably too late to check it uh, into his uh, into his baggage, but. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, what a way to find out that uh, your cane was a little bit more than just a cane that you recently bought. From the international file, a man in Germany was shocked when he opened up a letter informing him he had gotten a speeding ticket. And uh, <laughs> the photo uh, on the, you know, from the traffic camera, which is illegal in Germany, the photo showed that his dog was behind the wheel. <laughs> Now, there's a story. The ticket was for about $52, and the driver explained that the dog had been riding alongside him and had hopped into his lap uh, hopped into his lap just as the traffic camera snapped the photo. So it looks like the dog is driving. The driver explained, normally the dog wears a special car belt for safety, but forgot to put it on that day, and uh, the dog came up to for a cuddle just as he, he was driving. The funny part is, is that... Uh, the dog was in his lap, he said, for like three seconds, and it just happened to be those three seconds when the uh, <laughs> when the camera snapped uh, the uh, photo. He said that he did consider contesting the speeding ticket, <laughs> arguing a lack of proof that he was the one that was driving, but instead he went ahead and paid it. 
<laughs> he might have been facing other charges if uh, he tried to claim that his dog was behind the wheel, you know? So, probably a good idea. Um, also, from the international file, <laughs> some sea lions in Canada uh, got to enjoy the feast of a lifetime after breaking into a salmon farm and refusing to leave. <laughs> Report in the Guardian says the uh, the seals learned that they could slip into the Rant Point Farm in British Columbia and have been gorging on the uh, delicious salmon for the past few weeks. Of course, they rebuffed any and all attempts to make them stop, which include uh, loud noises and politely showing them the exit. <laughs> seals weren't having any of it. The uh, sea lions began breaking into the grounds in late March, and even local conservation groups that hate the very idea of fish farms, say the sea lions need to go. Apparently, this heist is attracting more sea lions by the day. (laughs) They're going back and they're telling their friends, look, we can tell you where to get some food. Uh, We witnessed the sea lion going over one of the fences, jumping right into the bird net, which is suspended uh, uh, suspended net above the pens. The seal struggles for quite some time to free himself, but uh, once he does... (laughs) There's a great, the sea lions apparently think it's worth the trouble because they get to feast on as many fish as they can eat once they clear all of the obstacles. Considering the fish farm can house up to 500,000 Atlantic salmon, they probably aren't going to go anywhere until the farm finishes harvesting its stock later this month. (laughs) I'm just going to have to deal with the sea lions. Oh, my goodness. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, a West Virginia woman busted for battery managed to score even more charges after she decided to show up to her arraignment naked. Uh, This is from uh, West Virginia, Buckhannon, West Virginia. 24-year-old Brittany Hull Sutphin was arrested for physically assaulting her male companion on the side of the road She had told officers that the man she was with uh, was her husband who had been unfaithful. And that's why she attacked him. Uh, The victim claims the two were on their way to pick up divorce papers (laughs) or was supposed to be on the way to pick up divorce papers. But instead, she just assaulted him, (laughs) lured him into the car under the guise they were going to pick up divorce papers, and then she assaulted him. Uh, And his account was backed up by other witnesses. So she was arrested. He refused treatment. She was arrested. And uh, when she showed up to be arraigned, she decided to strip down to her birthday suit right right there in court. (laughs) She was given a courtesy towel and a free trip to the local jail. (laughs) I wonder... Uh, if that would be covered by the Safe Surrender Day, there would be... There you go. Uh, that is today's uh, broken news report. Uh, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. 
of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The pandemic outlook is improving across the country and health officials are cautiously optimistic about the downward trend in Omicron cases. A number of states and large private businesses have announced a reduction or dropping of mitigation measures. We all share the same goal, to get to the point where COVID is no longer disrupting our daily lives. Here at WFIN, we'll continue to pass along the latest information so you can stay informed. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. What is the worst chore of them all? The worst household chore? What do you hate uh, doing more than anything? For many millennials and Gen Zers, the answer is the laundry. And you'd be surprised at some of the lengths that young people will go to avoid doing laundry. A new poll finds that 66% of millennials and Gen Z uh, limit how often they wear some of their best outfits, some of their favorite clothes, because they don't want to ruin them in the wash. (laughs) There's a fear that the washing machine will wreck them. The uh, survey looked at how 2,000 Millennials and Gen Zers do their laundry. 69% are convinced that they know how to do it right, although there is a slight difference in opinion to come uh, when it comes to separating clothes. Uh, this poll was conducted by one poll in partnership with Swash Laundry Detergent. So that's the impetus for this uh, laundry poll. It found that 65% of Millennials and Gen Zers believe that laundry is a skill that people need to teach and learn about two in five credit their parents or older relatives for showing them the ropes of how to do laundry 42 percent so they picked up their laundry skills from their parents or older relatives 23 percent learned how to do the laundry by experimenting on their own (laughs) which is always an adventure and uh, 19 percent learn from Social media tips and tutorials, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and so on. Although laundry is a necessary task, most people dread doing it. 68% say they absolutely dread it. Young adults say that the biggest reasons are that it is time-consuming. 52% cited the amount of time it takes to do laundry. Um number of others, about half, dislike a specific part of the process. Uh, like loading the machine or folding the clothes afterwards. 50% said folding afterwards is what they dislike the most. Kind of interesting. Two in five, about 40%, think that laundry is easy to mess up. And 43% say that laundry can be bothersome because it needs to be done an average of three times a week. Three times a week? Who's doing that? When you're uh, that age, you probably don't have a family. You don't have kids. You're doing it three times a week. Um, still 59% and this is more than you ever wanted to know about laundry. 59% see laundry as a way for people, for them to de-stress. There is a stress relief property, uh, to doing uh, laundry. And, uh, most of those in the survey say that they would be willing to do more laundry more or more willing to do laundry rather if there were some easy fixes to some of the challenges that they have, uh, 68%. So, 
Anyway, I just thought that was, like I said, more than you ever wanted to know about laundry. But uh, <laughs> the fact that so many people are going on social media to learn how to do it. And, and this is the thing. When I was younger, and again, these are young people, uh, young adults. When I was, I thought that the uh, comment about how time-consuming it was. I remember when I was uh, younger, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. I, I hate doing laundry now more than I did when I was younger. Uh, because when I was that age, I had my first apartment, first striking out on my own. The apartment building that I lived in had its own laundry room. And I could go in in the middle part of the day when everybody else was at work because my work schedule was kind of weird as it is today. Um, and so my work schedule was uh, a little unusual. So I could go to the laundry room at a time when nobody else was there and I could do all of my laundry and I could use all of the machines, <laughs> all of the washers, all of the dryers. And I could be in and out of there in like 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, you, when you, when you have multiple now, I do it all at home and I only have one washer, one dryer. It's a lot more time consuming. I, I kind of liked the idea of going and <laughs> slamming it out in no time flat. So there is that. Anyway, that would be my advice to young people. If you hate doing laundry, find uh, an apartment complex with its own laundry room and figure out what time nobody else is using it. You can get in and out in no time flat. Program assistant Jamie Rickle is with us in the studio this morning with uh, details on uh, some youth development programming, the Hancock County OSU Extension, specifically uh, starting to uh, plan for summer camp programs already. I know spring has just started, but uh, already starting to look ahead to uh, summer camp. In in reality, the uh, planning has been uh, happening for a while, right? Oh, absolutely. We've had... All of our camp counselors have been in training since January. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, more than just, it doesn't, doesn't just happen. This takes no. a, a long time to uh, uh, to put together. Um, but it is maybe something that for a lot of folks, not necessarily immediately on their radar right now, because I know what the uh, 4-H uh, registration deadline just passed not too long ago, yes, right? So it just ended on the 1st. Yeah, so you've got a lot of uh, clubs that are just kind of gearing up and getting going at this point, right? Yep. Absolutely. They're so, picking out their projects. Yeah, so what is so what is happening with the uh, 4-H uh, kids right now? Uh, again, just starting to select their projects and all of that. Can you take us through what's going on right now? Yeah, so when you enroll, you enroll on our online system and you choose your projects. Mm-hmm. And then you want to make sure that you have your club and your projects all in our system by the 1st. And so then we go through enrollment. But there is a time period where you can add and drop projects. So you're okay. already enrolled. But if you decide, oh, I don't want to take a sewing project. I want okay. to take a cooking project. Right. You can still do that until, I think, June 1st. Okay. Um, so they are getting acquainted with their advisors. They're digging into their projects, doing, you know, get to know you, stuff mm-hmm. with their clubs and their yeah. communities. I, I always wonder because, uh, you know, for those who are not involved uh, directly in, in 4-H, we see the uh, uh, the displays like at the fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, don't really think about everything that goes into that, that whole process uh, that goes into, you know, making those projects a reality, whether we're talking about the animal projects or the uh, other proje- projects with the uh, – uh, 4-H kids, uh, 4-H buildings, uh, the displays, and, and so on. Uh, but it is a long process, a lengthy process getting underway yes. right now. 
Yep. And we have some kids even going on reward trips for achieving even above and beyond. Uh-huh. Uh, so summer camp is uh, one of the uh, big things that, uh, of course, uh, I'll look forward to. Um, and what is going on right now when we're talking about planning for some, not only uh, 4-H summer camp, but also the uh, Clever, Clover Buds uh, day camp, too, right? Yes. So right now our camp counselors have been in training for like four months. Mm-hmm. They've um, picked our theme. We're getting wild Western style. Okay. So it's a Western style theme. Um, we've got some bandits that are going to be at camp <laughs> and we'll see how that theme plays out. But um, they are getting ready to pick their sessions since we have the theme accomplished. So they're going to decide like what activities the kids are going to be able to do. Okay. Um, and then Clover Bud Camp. So that's going to be June 9th. And the kids, the younger um, camp counselors, they get to plan that. It's going to be the same theme, but okay. on a much smaller scale. And that also helps prepare them to get ready to be counselors at camp for the first time. At the, at the full uh, yep, all-out summer thing. camp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, uh, for those that aren't aware, this is uh, such a, a full-circle uh, thing um, where the kids are involved, uh, everything from just going to camp to planning the activities and mentoring the other kids and, oh, and so on. So. Absolutely. And we have adult staff that were 4-H'ers in their time mm-hmm. that come back year and year after. Yeah. And their kids are now, you know, campers and then counselors. So it, it's a really tight community here and it's awesome. So what do uh, folks need to know uh, right now? The uh, registration uh, for summer camp, uh, you know, that going on right now? What is, what's we're, going on? Yep, we're filling out all okay. of our forms, getting them ready. But the early Early bird registration for camp is May 27th. Okay. So it's going to be $200 for big camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by May 27th, that's going to be that. And then after, you can still decide to go. It's just mm-hmm. going to be 250 So probably best to... Uh so that 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 timing works out uh, as well because that's the time when people are starting to plan for their right, summer right. Uh, vacations yep. anyway. So uh, definitely want to keep that in mind. So May twenty seventh is the uh, date on that. And what about for clover buds? For clover bud, all of that stuff is coming. Okay. Okay. So TBA. Right. Uh, um, but- this next week is the first week that the kids are planning clover bud camp specifically. Okay. So that's why that's a little bit. Later. So uh, still. Uh, to be determined on that but we'll learn more when you get to that but again to put that on everybody's radar screen because as you mentioned uh cloverbud camp is coming up in june, june 9th and then the 4-h camp is june 25th okay is when it starts all right so very good and if folks uh have uh questions or want more information how do they go about they can go onto our website and Very good. Uh, so just one of the many things going on right now as they start to get into a spring and summer busy months. So, uh, again, uh, Program Assistant Jamie Rickle with us from the Hancock County OSU Extension. Jamie, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for a daily email newsletter and more right there. Our little corner of the World Wide Web, goodmornings.net for all things good mornings. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning.
Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.